Welcome to Age of Minority, a podcast for youth about the gospel. I'm your host, Jaquel, here with my co-host, pastor, and dad, Sean. Hey, Jaquel, what's going on with me? <laughs> hey, dad. Oh, I mean is, you. What is going on with you? I'm so <laughs> glad you asked that question. Please tell me everything. Give me every detail. Oh, man, what is going on? So here's here's something for you. Um, you'll be very interested in this. Actually, I don't know. I'm, I'll be I'm the judge actually, of that. I'm very interested to know what you have to say about this. So okay. last night, I said to your mother, you know, what do you want for dinner? I kind of gave her some options as far as what we had in the fridge, freezer, whatever. You know what she chooses? What? She chooses sloppy joes. Oh. Now, of course, uh, you know, some people, they pull out the packages or they, you know, open the can of Manwich and they just right. dump it in there. No, 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 no. You know, I don't work that way. Right? Of course not. Like you'd expect none of those. So I make, you know, I, I find this recipe for sloppy joes. And of course you do. It, it turns out pretty amazing. You know, pretty delicious. Wow. You know, so so here's my question for you is, is what's your thoughts on the sloppy joe? I don't even know. I said to mom, I don't think I've made sloppy joe since you and Travis lived with us, for goodness sake. Yeah, that is definitely a meal that I don't think I've eaten. Uh, actually, I think you and I might have eaten it at uh, at camp sometime at one of the camps <laughs> we went to. Because that is like the two things I think. I think if Sloppy Joe was like a kid's meal yeah. or a camp meal. Like that is okay. that is what I connect it with. So, um, so what's your thoughts on the Sloppy Joe? I mean, good, fine. Good? But you've never made it. Absolutely acceptable. No, there was one time where I just about made it uh, and actually was going to use, was going to do it from scratch because a lot Mm. of the ingredients are pretty, pretty staple ingredients. Oh, yeah. But I was missing. Mostly ketchup. I was missing one thing that I was just like, no, it would be too weird without it. So oh, never, never actually what you made were it. Missing. I don't remember now, but I uh, mean, ketchup and ketchup is the main ingredient. They're like mustard and some Worcestershire brown sugar sauce. And I think Worcestershire sauce. I mean, that wasn't even on the recipe I picked, but I still put it in there because wow. you put of that in course. everything. <laughs> of course, That's amazing. Yeah. Interesting. So, so I made the sloppy joes last night, and then two nights ago, this is going to blow your mind. I mm-hmm. made a frozen lasagna. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is so crazy. Uh-oh. Because Whoa. like two What's nights ago, we made a frozen lasagna. No. <laughs> yes, no yes way. for the first time in years, probably. Well, you know me, you know me and frozen lasagna. I yeah, hate it. Yeah, I know. Because because your mother makes like the best lasagna known to man. Yeah, it's true. But but I mean, like, I, she, you know, I've been doing most of the cooking lately and we both were not feeling that great. So we just went yeah. with frozen lasagna. And you know what, Jaquel? It wasn't what? the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. Wow. Well, that's saying like, something. That that, really that's is. a pretty high compliment. And we got it from Walmart. Where did you get yours from? We also got ours from Walmart. Okay. Did you get the Walmart brand one? Yeah. It's, that like, ha- it's like massive. Yes. Yes. Oh, we didn't get that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got this other Basili brand. Oh, okay. Man, like, you totally it was, set it was me like up. Really tiny. I it's going to be I the know. same one. Well, so, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm testing some different freezer meals right now to decide oh, yeah. what I want to stock up on when the baby comes. Right. Because when yeah. when we were preparing for Lucy, I was like, oh, I want freezer meals. I'm going to hand make all these meals myself. This time, <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't even cook supper most nights. Joe does. So I'm just going to think about yeah. what convenient freezer meals I want to buy for when this right. baby comes. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, this is something else that's going to blow your mind. Like not just the sloppy Joes and not just the frozen lasagna, but you know what I have not been able to get enough of lately? I don't know. I'm concerned though. Fruit. Wow. Fruit, Jaquel. There's this stuff and it grows on trees and in the ground and you eat it and it's delicious. It is pretty good. Like I have been, I have not been able to get enough watermelon in my mouth. Wow. It's insane. 
watermelon. That what what, what is he maybe even with that geo watermelon? I don't even know. And do you know where my watermelon was from? Where? My watermelon was from Guatemala. Wow. It's imported from Guatemala. And my pineapple was uh, imported from Costa Rica. This is so, craziness. So, like, not only am I eating the fruit, eating fruit, I'm eating all around the world, man. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. It's like a global uh, taste I'm, bud experience. Wait, and if you even want to get crazier, not just watermelon, but I bought some, I bought a cantaloupe and a honeydew. Oh, see, I am not what? a big fan of those fruits. Well, okay, so can so I, I've decided that the the honeydew is delicious. It's just very refreshing. The cantaloupe, eh, you know, I just yeah. hadn't had cantaloupe in a long time, and I was like, I'm going to give it a try. But eh, you know, I guess when I think about it too, all the times I eat that fruit is when it's the the rejects of the fruit tray. And you get the fruit tray with like the pineapple, <laughs> strawberry, and then the cantaloupe <laughs> and the honeydew. And yeah. you eat like the strawberry and the pineapple, and then you're left with like the melons, and they're kind of, it's, yeah, it's not good. It's so true. It's so true. You said, no, you said you were been right into pineapple this pregnancy, eh? Yes. And even more specifically, canned pineapple, which See, is that's weird. bizarre. Yeah. Like canned pineapple? Like which canned pineapple? Like Del Monte oh, or? I don't really care. Del Monte is the best, but it's kind of pricey. So I'll just get the generic like Walmart brand or compliments wow. or whatever, whatever's available. Canned pineapple is totally gross. I get this stuff. It's like pre-cut up pineapple. That's okay, the stuff yeah. from Costa Rica, okay. but it's not in a can. Yeah, it's in like a the plastic container. Wow, that is bougie. That's not cheap, I man. I know. Well, Sheesh. you know, we, you know, Mom and I were sick for a bit, and we yes. were doing the uh, we were doing the order groceries to our door, and yeah. uh, it's it's kind of dangerous as you well. <laughs> As you may know, you order your groceries, but when yes. you're ordering your groceries to come to your house, you're just like, you know what? I want this. Bring it to my house right now. And it's just <laughs> like, I know I probably paid too much for fruit, but I was like, you know, there's worse things to spend too much money on than fruit. See, that's interesting because I actually find the reverse. Now, I order my groceries for pickup, as you know. <laughs> but when I am or- ordering online, I am tracking the price of everything. And oh. I'm just like keeping keeping my my budget in mind and whatnot. And so I'm like calculating yeah. the entire time where I'm just not good enough at math to do that when I'm at, in store. <laughs> and so if I'm in store, then I'm much more tempted to be like, ooh, I just like see something and I want it. So I don't know. Well, and I'm getting it delivered. So I'm already paying like a delivery fee and I'm paying a tip. So I'm kind of like, well. Crazy. You know, it is what it is. So that's some exciting stuff. I thought you might be interested in hearing my uh, my. <laughs> My my food choices lately. Don't even very know what's exciting. going on tonight. Uh, I, I I'm very I'm very much feeling sushi, and Mom's oh. feeling very much frozen dinner. So, oh. well, I'm interested to know how that's going to mix. Yeah, well, I told her whatever she wanted. So, <laughs> looks like we're probably having a frozen chicken dinner. Yum. But, hey, worst things could happen, I suppose. Exciting. So, uh, you want to talk about some theology or something? Let's talk about some theology or something. Should, should we, um, you know, pick something non-controversial probably? <laughs> or should uh, we talk about limited atonement? I was kind of thinking like, what is like the most controversial thing we could talk about maybe to okay, do with theology? <laughs> Fine. Then we'll deal with the L of Tulip and we'll deal with limited atonement. Here we go. Which apparently some people have a problem with. Like, well, we shouldn't call it limited atonement. <laughs> but I don't really know. Well, yeah. I mean, it would just really mess up have... Tulip to try to do anything else. And that's true. So we talked about total depravity, that we're totally depraved. Every part of us is impacted by the fall. We've inherited original sin. We have no ability whatsoever. Then we talked about election, 
you know, we got to put salvation in the hands of God and the mind of God and the eternal decree. Um, so we talk about unconditional election that election, election is, is based on God's sovereign grace entirely. And now here we are at none other than the most favorite letter of Tulip, <laughs> the most favorite doctrine of Calvinism, limited atonement. Yes, and this is Ta-da. the doctrine. This is the doctrine that if you hear people refer to themselves as four-point Calvinists, this is the doctrine that people like to cut because Which, it's, I mean, it's difficult. Why, why don't they just call themselves Emeraldians? Uh, you know, really? <laughs> well, because that would be a term that more people would just so easily understand and know exactly what it means. I don't know why they, seriously, I don't know why Arminian, everybody knows what an Arminian is, everybody knows what a Calvinist is, why don't they know about Moses Emerald? Emerald. Well, I think that's a question we're all asking right now. So maybe you should fill in, if there, you know, is like (laughs) one listener who doesn't know who you're talking about. Uh, Yeah, well, anyway, there's what people call four-point Calvinists, as Jaquel mentioned, and the one point they don't like is limited atonement, Um, and and, and this finds its origin uh, from a a 16th-century French theologian named Moses Emiro, and he he basically argued for um, what would be called the hypothetical redemption or hypothetical universalism. It would be this this idea of of the fact that, that, uh, you know, Jesus died uh, for all and all could hypothetically be saved. I don't know if that, I, I, I have not studied the position extensively. I just know that the position, position came around because for some reason, people had uh, no problem with the four points of Calvinism. They had a problem with this point. Mm. Uh, and so like I say, Moses Amaral came up with this idea that, uh, uh, you know, that the atonement is not limited. And uh, like, I guess here's kind of my question on this before we even get into the definitions and stuff like this is, is that if it, why would you not have a problem with God choosing who he's going to save and, and the spirit choosing those whom he's going to regenerate and, and God choosing those who he's going to preserve. But then you have a problem with God choosing who or Jesus choosing who he's going to die for mm-hmm. or, or determining specifically who he's going to die for. I, I don't understand why you have uh, like why people have no problem with the other four points, but they have a problem with this point because mm-hmm. this point just seems to be in line with all the other four points. Yeah, I agree. And I also don't have a, a difficult time with the term because as we'll, we'll kind of get into like all Christians have a, a, a view, a limited view of the atonement right yeah, okay so you all, the somehow. Ex- unless you're a universalist which is right. not an orthodox believer you do not believe that the atonement was for every person in the world in existence so yeah i don't have an issue with it but i mean there are other other terms that i don't know maybe they're more precise or, or more accurate but yeah i, I mean I, I don't have a problem with any of the terms they use in, uh, in particular particular <laughs> <laughs> you know where they call it particular redemption or definite atonement or whatever it is i mean you know okay well let's talk about let's talk about what limited atonement is we'll talk about uh what arminians believe and then we'll we'll talk about uh what god's word says about this and how this all applies to our lives Okay, so so limited atonement, just a, each thing that we've addressed, we've just kind of broken down the actual term itself. And so uh, when we're talking about the atonement, we're talking about uh, uh, the death of Christ for sinners, uh, the, that he that he uh, received the wrath that was due to, to them, uh, reconciled them to God. Um, and and when we're talking about the atonement, we're saying that the atonement was limited to the elect, mm-hmm. that, that Jesus died specifically for those whom the Father had chosen to redeem. 
that so we're 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 see and this is where i guess i don't really have this huge problem because it's like we're not limiting the atonement ourselves it's not like we're saying oh well this is what right. you know this is what the atonement is limited to we're, we're saying this is what scripture seems to be saying mm-hmm. that jesus died to save sinners and so if jesus died to save sinners well then he chose those whom he died to save and he saved died to save only those people now again let, let's stop before we consider the alternative position um, why would you have a problem with limited atonement? Like, what w- what is the uh, kind of asking you to take the opponent's side here, yeah. Mikael? Like, what wh- wh- why do you think somebody would have a problem with this? Well, I think this is very much what we talked about last week, and uh, a perspective specifically of God's love for people, yep. God's love for the world, uh, maybe even a certain understanding of passages like John three sixteen, um, and just not being able to understand how. You know, we could have a, a passage that says God loves the world, that we believe God is right. love, yet Jesus not die for everyone. And that's there seems to be a tension for some people there. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I guess, again, like my question would be like, why does Jesus have to die to for the sins of every human being? Mm-hmm. Like what, what, where, where do we get that? And, and why does that offend us to think that he didn't actually do that? I don't know. Well, especially, like I said, if you're not a universalist, like, especially if you, if you believe in hell and you think that God is still loving yet condemns people to hell, like, why yeah. is it such a jump to say, well, oh, God is loving, um, and only died, Jesus only died for his people. Like why, I guess I just don't really yeah. totally understand why you might have such a big issue with one, but not the other. Yeah. I am. Um, I, as, as I was re- getting ready for this episode, I, I was thinking about John Owen mm, and yes. John Owen, John Owen comes up with this great, uh, th- this great, I, I don't even know what you would call it, but he, 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 he suggests for you, there's three different options when it comes to the atonement. And, and I think John Owen is, is attempting to help people see that really most people believe in limited atonement. And so he says this, he says, the father imposed his wrath due unto, and the son underwent punishment for either, okay, so so the, 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 you got one of three options for who the father imposed his wrath unto, uh, and the son underwent punishment for. Either, number one, all the sins of all men. Number two, all the sins of some men. Or number three, some of the sins of all men. Hmm. Now, he just, he then goes on to, to, to parse this out. But... We don't really need John Owen necessarily yeah. for that. We can do that ourselves. So you just look at number three. So first of all, the first option is that Jesus died to save some of the sins of all men, to forgive some of the sins of all men. Now, if he, if he only died to atone for some of the sins of all men, then that means all men still have some sins exactly. to deal with and nobody's safe. Yeah. Okay. So option number That'd three is out. Nobody's safe. Okay. Then let's go to option number one. All the sins of all men. Now, this is something that you, you've you alluded to and mentioned here a number of times. If Jesus died to save all the sins of all men, then guess what that means? <laughs> all, all men are saved. are saved. Which I will, I, I feel just I need to mention, Roger Olson really hates when Calvinists say that. So I know. I'm, I'm, I am sorry to Arminians that hate when we say that, but. I know, but what is the other option? Yeah. Like what, this is, this is, okay. I mean, this is what's going on in our brains, right? Yeah. If Jesus died to save the sins of all men, then how are all men not saved? How is that not a universal position? Now, every Arminian and their dog will claim to not be a universalist. And I believe them. Yes. Like I I believe them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like I'm not saying that you are a universalist if you believe this. Um, because we all have inconsistencies, 
right? But I, I in, my, in my brain, I, you know, and, and most every other Calvinist, how do you make that jump? If, if Jesus died to save all the sins of all men, uh, then all men are saved. Now, then that leaves us with number two, that Jesus, uh, that, that the Father imposed his wrath uh, due unto, and the Son underwent punishment for all the sins of some men. Mm-hmm. And, and this would be the, the view, limited atonement. Now, R.C. Sproul, you know, your, your best friend, your favorite theologian and mine, yeah. he doesn't like the term limited atonement. Um, he prefers, what is he? He, definite redemption or definite atonement. But his definition is, is good. He says it communicates that God the Father designed the work of redemption specifically with a view to providing salvation for the elect. And here it is, that Christ died for his sheep and laid down his life for those the Father had given to him. Now, that, now R.C. there is clearly focusing in on John chapter 10 mm-hmm. there, which we'll, we'll get to later on. But um, uh, what, what does... Um, what is our what is an Arminian perspective, Jigel? I know that you went and did some digging for us, so why don't you give us uh, an Arminian perspective on atonement? I did indeed. Okay, so I have two quotes again from two different Arminians. Uh, I have one from Olson, uh, but first I'd like to start with a quote from Bruce Demarest, who actually right. just passed away last year. I just found oh. out he was like in his nineties. Okay. Um, and this is from his book, The Cross and Salvation, which also, fun fact, was published by Crossway. Um, okay, so this is, this is his, uh, his quote on what Arminians would believe about atonement. Scripture leads us to conclude that God loves all people he created and that Christ died to provide salvation for all. By divine intention, Christ's suffering and death are universal in their provision. That's the first. That's just kind of like a general, general overview. Um, and then just to kind of to add on this, Roger Olson. Uh, okay, hold on. Can, can, oh, I, can I interject oh, yes. first? Yes, of course. So, so I mean, with that quote, okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I agree that scripture leads us to conclude that God loves all people that he created. I, I don't think that scripture leads us to believe that he loves them all in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't believe that scripture, uh, that, th- that it then follows if he loves all people, then he needed to provide salvation for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, that is a pretty general, general, uh, definition. Um, but, uh, uh, what do you got? What do you got beyond that? Okay. So, so Olson says Christ was the substitute for everyone without exception, Mm. such that every obstacle to God's forgiveness for every person was removed by his death. The benefits of this sacrifice would only be applied to persons who freely choose to accept God's grace. So, Mm. so here you have the distinction between the atonement, um, the atonement, being uh, being satisfactory for every person mm-hmm. without necessarily having benefits for every person. Without so this being is effective. where exactly this is where Arminians see the distinction there in terms of of their perspective of limiting the atonement. The benefits are limited to believe to yeah. those who will repent and believe, but the <laughs> the what what the atonement accomplishes in terms of removing the obstacles. That is unlimited. Every for every person, the, all the obstacles are removed, and this again kind of harkens back to their view of conditional election. Um, so that now every person has the ability to <clears throat> to freely accept God yeah. um, because of because of the atonement, and it's based on God's foreknowledge of that that 
that he knows who who is and who is not saved. Yeah, you hear this. You hear this phrase. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't mind just addressing it just briefly here. But this phrase, you know, that the atonement was uh, sufficient for all, but efficient only for the elect. Mm-hmm. And and my kind of you know, it's like, well, sure, you know, sure, sure. Could could Jesus? I mean, the question of it be, being sufficient for all is, could Jesus have died to save every single human being? Does was Christ's blood powerful enough to save every yeah. human being who ever lived? Well, Does, duh. Of course. Right, but that doesn't really answer the question, and and that, that sufficient for for all, but efficient only for the elect doesn't come out in that doesn't come out in that quote. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he, he just he, from that quote, uh, I look at it and I go, so who is the atonement efficient for? Right. Like it, it doesn't seem like it, it, it. Well, it's it's supposedly efficient only for those who freely choose to accept God's grace, and that again mm-hmm. takes us back to total depravity. How's that going to happen? Right. So so anyway, um, I, I personally think um, when it comes to limited atonement, it is the easily uh, the, the the easiest. I, I like <laughs> Me too. I, mean, I think that's the too. easiest. Yeah. I think it is the easiest one to to argue from scripture. I don't think scripture makes any any issues with this. But but before we get to scripture, um, I I want to know what our confession says about this. Ah, and the reason yeah. I want to do this, okay, the reason I want to do this is because this is not from like you know, section 21 on election or section 32 on the atonement. This is on, uh, from chapter eight on Christ, the mediator, Hmm. right? And this is what is so important is that, is that our view of the atonement is, is based upon what we see Christ doing the work of Christ. And so it all comes down to what did Christ do? And that's what we're trying to narrow in on here. And so in chapter eight, in paragraph five in the London Baptist Confession of 1689, it says the Lord Jesus has fully satisfied the justice of God, obtained reconciliation and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those given to him by the father. Mm. He has accomplished these things by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he once for all offered up to God through the eternal spirit. So I, I just think I, I think that is an excellent statement uh, on limited atonement that doesn't actually mention the words limited atonement right. because it focuses on what Christ actually accomplished on the cross mm-hmm. and how he accomplished it through his perfect obedience and sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, and so so that 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 I think leads us right into into scripture and um I, I guess we'll start with John chapter 10. I'll take John chapter 10 because then you get John chapter 6 which is nice. the which is the slam dunk, but John chapter 10, verse 11. And I just recently, actually, I just noticed all the, all the verses you've uh, noted here from the gospel of John, which I just yeah. recently preached on. Um, but John chapter 10, verse 11 and 14, 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for, who is it? For the sheep. Mm. Like, how do you get out of John chapter 10 without believing? Limit? I don't know. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we're, we're trying to be uh, as, as understanding as we can to those who have an alternative viewpoint, but I don't know how you walk away from here with um, what well, that was the last episode we dealt with unconditional election with this mm-hmm. idea that it was just the, the church. Like, so in, in John chapter 10, do you just look and go, Oh, well, these sheep, that's just, reference to the people of God. There's no actual specific names or faces. If that's the right. case, it's kind of like, what? But but like, even still, like Jesus isn't just talking about election here. He's talking about laying down his life. Right. He's talking about the act of his death. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you get out of it, but but the thing is, is that like I'm trying to understand how you get out of it with it being conditional, and or sorry, I'm mixing up episodes here with, with the atonement not being limited, where where you know he's actually laying down his life for specific sheep, not just this generic group of sheep. Mm. That doesn't seem that exciting to me. It's just yeah. generic group of sheep. Well, you know, no, he's laying it down his life for you know, and and he even goes on. To say, I know my own, and my own know me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty. Pretty solid there. Pretty solid. Well, yeah. So it was interesting. You know, you mentioned uh, I, I did pull out a few verses here and the ones from John did really stick out and they're all mm-hmm. words of Jesus himself, which right. is just interesting, yeah. you know, with unconditional election. Um, you know, Paul talks a lot about that. Uh, you know, Jesus does does definitely talk about it as well. But with limited atonement, I don't know. Jesus just seems to talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, he, he talks a lot to his disciples about what he has come to do. And so he, yeah, just seems to be trying to make clear to them what his death is actually going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So John 6, again, Jesus is talking. So uh, there's like, a, I'm gonna just going to jump around in John 6 a little bit. Sure. Start with verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Mm. So that that right there, all that the Father gives me. Right. Um, then down to verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all mm-hmm. that he has given me, but raise it up right. on the last day. What? Yeah. what? Not not everyone will be raised up to resurrection no. life on the last day. Um, yet mm-hmm. we're we're told that Jesus will not lose anyone whom he died for. Right, okay. it's um, impossible. It's a logical impossibility. And then we'll just finish with verse uh, sixty-five. Jesus says, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father." So again, this goes back to unconditional election as well, totally overlaps here. Um, But, but Jesus, like in, in chapter 10 of John as well, um, just seems to be wanting to be very clear with his disciples who he has come to save, what his mission is. And this is also why I liked that R.C. Sproul quote, where Mm. he says that, you know, limited atonement refers to the fact that God designed the whole work of redemption Mm -hmm. to happen this way. This isn't just like some, you know, aspect of salvation. No, this is like a part of the whole plan and Mm. how God designed to accomplish this. Well, to, to me, I mean, we could read all kinds of other verses, but to me, I mean, the issue either comes down to this, either Jesus accomplished something on the cross, or he just made something possible mm-hmm. on the cross. There, there, there's no two ways about it. Like you, you have to choose one of those two, whether you're, uh, you know, a five pointer, a four pointer or a no pointer, you know, it's got to be one of those. Either he actually accomplished redemption, actually he died to save people, or he died to make people savable. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I, I mean, like in, in the words of, of, uh, Bruce Demarest, scripture leads us to conclude <laughs> that, that Jesus actually accomplished something on the cross. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, that just seems to be the overwhelming, uh, testimony of scripture that Jesus actually died to accomplish redemption. Uh, he came to save. He didn't come to make people savable. Right. And, and that's really what it comes down to. And, and, and again, like, you know, the Armenian has a response to that. We've read it. Uh, we, we've dealt with it. But uh, it seems to me like, again, like we're trying to help you understand how a Calvinist is thinking about these things. Yeah. And, and, and when it comes to the issue of the atonement, um, 
I think James White sums it up best. He says, in its simplest terms, the Reformed belief is this. Christ's death saves sinners. Mm. It does not make the salvation of sinners a mere possibility. It does not provide a theoretical atonement. Christ's death saves every single person it was intended to save. Mm. That last part, Christ's death yeah. saves every single person it was intended to save. That's mm. that's what we believe about the atonement. But if you believe something different, or, or actually, well, I don't know if we should be uh, signing off yet. Uh, we should talk a little bit about application. Yeah. Uh, it, although I don't know if I have that much more application than what I had for uh, last week for election. election. So That's what, what I was think? thinking. Yeah. Like the first thing that comes to my mind is the exact same thing I talked about last week is that this is an incredibly comforting doctrine <laughs> for yeah. the people of God. We know that Christ accomplished our atonement. There, you know, was, mm. was nothing, nothing we did um, to, to get ourselves saved. And when Christ declared it is finished on that cross, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was finished. There is nothing we can do to make the atonement you know, not apply to us anymore. We are eternally secured um, in Christ, which I'm kind of getting, getting ahead of ourselves in the series. But just those verses that we talked about from John, uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, Jesus talks about this in the context of him being the good shepherd and mm-hmm. us being his sheep. And that is just a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. um, picture, a, a beautiful word image as, you know, this isn't just like some cold, cold doctrine. Mm-hmm. This is the doctrine of the Trinity's love uh, for his people, the doctrine of Jesus, our good shepherd coming to die for his own, coming to die for his bride and redeem us for him. And so that it's, that should be, really encouraging to us um and and deeply comforting yeah i i I wouldn't add much more besides like last week i talked about you know how it should increase our worship i I would just say it should increase our love for jesus Mm. like you say that's such intimate language there in john chapter 10 and and the fact that you know uh, i don't remember who it was but you know somebody said when jesus went to the cross he took names yeah and that like that just gives me goosebumps to say that it's just like when jesus died on the cross he died on the cross for me he went there specifically to save me and every other one of the elect. And if that doesn't increase your love for Jesus, I don't know what will. So uh, hope, hopefully this has been encouragement to you again, wherever you fall on the spectrum. Um, and uh, and if you want to reach out to us uh, for any reason uh, whatsoever, where can they find us? Okay, you can find us on our website, ageofminority.com. You can also email us directly at Jaquel or Sean at ageofminority.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us on Spotify, where you can leave us a rating. Uh, And you can also head over to Apple iTunes and leave us an honest five-star rating and review. All right, then. uh, Until next week, Jaquel. This has been Age of Minority.